Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Seth Miniscalco. He's the author of Prohibited Profits, a book available on Amazon. We'll be talking about it more today and why you as a budding entrepreneur should be thinking about all the different ways you could be making money and yet maybe you don't know about. In fact, maybe there's a reason you don't know about it. Talking about all that and more on today's episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Wherever you are today, whatever you're doing today, no doubt you've jumped into the world of entrepreneurship because one, you probably like the freedom it brings, but two, you like the idea of separating your income from that little paper check you get every couple of weeks or that little direct deposit. You know, many of us who've become entrepreneurs, we know the excitement of the control of our own financial future being aware of the opportunities that can drive our financial incomes and these side hustles and side gigs and all the cool things that we do that ultimately drives our creativity to become business owners. And it's hopefully why you listen to the podcast today. You're looking for new insights for your business. You're looking for new insights for your financial well-being. And we're talking about that here today. I got Seth Maniscalco on the podcast today. He does a couple of things. One of the things you need to check out immediately is he is the author of the book, Prohibited Profits, Unlock the Secrets of Wealth Hidden from the Masses. This book's awesome. You can check it out on Amazon. It's also down in the episode description below if you want to click directly to it. Uh, He's also an investor. He runs uh, quite a bit of different investing uh, options, some private uh, private investing options, up to twenty five million uh, in private equity funding, and he's also the owner of CryptoWealthCoach.co. Excuse me, uh, if you've been thinking about crypto, which heck, unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about crypto, you've heard the energy around crypto, and Seth is absolutely the guy to help you navigate that. Again, you can go to CryptoWealthCoach.co. Seth, man. Glad to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Honored to be here. Thank you, and 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 grateful to the uh, the great the Good Advice podcast audience as well. Thank you. Yeah, well, Seth, I'm I'm excited to have you on because you know just in the few minutes that you and I were talking, I feel like you kind of epitomize the entrepreneurial dream of of why people get into business for themselves, and that's ultimately you know it's like. Uh, a good way to put it was I had a friend of mine who he's a sales guy. He's worked for a company for about 30 years. And he was like, dude, why why have I done this? Like, Why have I built someone else's wealth for this many years? Like, I want to go out and start my own gig. And that's such a common story. You're out here, you're investing in different options. You are investing in cryptocurrency. Um, I'm really intrigued by this book, Prohibited Profits. 
Um, there's a lot of different angles we can go on the show today. First of all, yeah. how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go? <laughs> First of all, tell the audience a little bit of your background. Who are you? What do you do? And uh, we'll go from there. Um, yeah, I'm uh, you know I'm a father and husband, uh, investor. We play around in a lot of different financial markets, and you know honestly, at, at the end of the day, I'm. I'm a family man and I've, you know, at 45 years old, I've come to value my time more so than money. Um, so just the ability to, you know, do what I want when I want is, is of uh, top concern, no doubt. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get into all the, all the things that you're handling right now? Like I mentioned, you know, the private equity, crypto, uh, the book. I mean, this, this isn't something that like, you know, a month ago, you were like, "Yeah, I value my time. I'm gonna do see some side." And this is all, you're no, you're a we, career we, entrepreneur. It looks like we've, we've been laying a foundation for <laughs> for many years. Yeah, um, geez, I, I think um, professionally, we launched uh, Crypto Wealth Coach in 2017. Um, so that's like five pushing six years. Um, and I've been an investor since like I first opened my first account. When I was living overseas at like 19. So um yeah, it's it's been a long journey. There's been a lot of uh, ups and downs and mistakes and bloody noses along the way, right? I mean, that's that's your entrepreneurial journey, right? We we uh we learn from our lessons and you know, some people the the they stack those failures on top of each other instead of stacking a ladder or a step case, if you yeah. will, and learning from that, right? So yeah, I, lo I love that comment though because I think you're right. Like the entrepreneurial journey, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bruiser. I mean, there's you you take slugs every now and then, and uh, you know, <laughs> or, <it's>... or consistently, <laughs> yeah, you know, two steps forward, one and a half steps back. Yeah, it's yeah. It, there, there's no mercy in business, and uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're swimming with the sharks. Now, were you ever in like a corporate gig or like a nine to five type deal? I was absolutely. Um. Uh, so, I, in fairness, I probably had less or smaller of a jump from one small fishbowl to the big fishing pond or whatever. I use metaphors a lot, by the way. That's all right. <laughs> um, and uh, um, yeah. So you know, going going from one phase to the other. Um, I was an entrepreneur actually. Um, you know, with like a Fortune twenty five company for about fourteen years. Um, so I, I ran small, you know, small, single seven figure businesses. I, I think when I left, we were doing about 35 million a year. Um, so I'm calling that an entrepreneur, meaning, you know, like I, I didn't have the risk of being the CEO and owning the business, but I still had dozens of employees and a $35 million nut to crack every year. So, um, you know, there, there's lessons to be learned in business with that. I mean, I was the guy making the decision on that business at the end of the day. So um, I learned a lot from that in the course of 14 years. And I, it also was like the 80 to 100 hour work week type Fortune 25 golden handcuff. You know, yeah. I, I was doing good. I was making over 200 grand a year. It was a comfy situation with a corporate car and stock options and, you know, whatever. Um, but I wanted more out of life. 
and uh, there there came a point where the rubber had to meet the road for me. So, yeah, that was part of that was Seth's journey, I guess, to get to this point. A few other little small side businesses along the way, and yeah, eventually I jumped. Uh, I saw the opportunity. Really, that was cryptocurrency for me. Um, I think I had a little friction with a boss at that moment too. It was probably another friction point, but ultimately I was like, you know, my, my investment income had, had exceeded my corporate income. And I just sat there one day, I was like sitting here after getting chewed out for something silly. <laughs> what am I going, doing? Why the freak am I doing yeah. this? And um, here I am. That's the, And I love that story, man. Cause it's so relatable. I mean, we've all, had that moment where we're in our career and you know this psycho ego driven boss or or you know not to broad brush every boss uh, yeah, but we just, I mean, we just it all know that terrible we, but we just it know was that person for me to be like what the yeah yeah we just know that person where they have a bad moment and they ream you and make you feel small and you kind of start to think about Dude, I'm an adult. Like, what am I yeah, doing yeah. right now? You know, I mean, like, what, what's your boss? Uh, you know, most maybe he's making 20% more than you are. You know, like, come on. He's, yeah. He doesn't yeah. know. He's not the end all be all. He's he's just trying to do his best too. And yeah, yeah. I, sure. You know, it's stress, right? Like that, that corporate environment. And now you got to perform. And yeah. And that boss know, typically yeah. has another boss putting their thumb on them, you know? And so, yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm real exhausted with like just the corporate world in general and it just it feels so clunky and slow com- compared to the entrepreneurial world which moves so fast, it's so open-minded. And it's amazing how many be. I mean if you're going to survive in that environment you have to be, right? That's yeah. Yeah. Well, and it seems like so many people in this gig of entrepreneurship, they come from that similar background of, yeah, you know, I did corporate, I tried it. It just, it just didn't scratch the itch. So, but so you, you jumped into the world of entrepreneurship, uh, you jumped into crypto. When did you make, what year did you make your first crypto investment? Oh boy. Uh, that's like, were you, a, were you an early um, adopter or? Yeah. I, you know, I, um, uh, uh, somewhere around $225. I, I put my 401k into Bitcoin. Um, so it, yeah. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> Good it, uh, um, you know, yeah, my but brother. I'm not a conventional thinker, uh, you know, yeah, some, yeah. some financial advisor somewhere is having a heart attack. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but doesn't but, that uh, make you think about like, um, and I don't want to make it sound weird. I don't see like indoctrination of our financial system, but it is really well, interesting where you have something like crypto and obviously hindsight's 2020. It's it's I don't want to be an obnoxious person who's like, oh, how did no one see this coming? I mean, plenty of people did invest in it. Um, but definitely there were people like yourself who made wise investments early on that it feels like the traditional financial community was like. You know, you're ruining your life. What are you doing? You know, you're throwing your whole financial future away. And it, in hindsight, it feels like a pretty big miss. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, well, you, you know, you have to remember, like, like who, who is a financial advisor? Um, like, what, what is this individual? At the end of the day, you know, I, and I'm just, I'm going to share my opinion. Um, but you know they're they're selling commodities, they're selling financial products, and they're getting paid a commission for selling them. Um, those people may or may not actually even be millionaires themselves. 
Um, and honestly, uh, the vast majority of them are living paycheck to paycheck. Like, the, you know, they're, they're selling commodities and they're, they're getting paid based off of your decision. Um, they all, in order to also be a licensed financial advisor, you, you are bound to be within a framework of certain, um, you know, answers like you, you, the right. answers they're going to give you is your 401k, right. your IRA stock right. options, they could not legally give yeah. you an answer like Bitcoin. They they were, you know, the framework prevented them right. from being yeah. able to. It's the standard 15 to 12 percent, you know, like I, I, emptying out the four, the, the IRA and 401k came with a 35 percent penalty for me. And, and any financial advisor, mo- multiple people, I I've, I had people who would, I, I'd like talk about it and, you know, they would call me reckless and you're in a danger to society and, you know, like, like <laughs> literally off the far deep end. Um, but in hindsight, paying a 35% penalty was one of the smartest decisions I ever made in my life. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, mind you, it's easy to sit there in hindsight and, and say that, right? Like, well, sure. yeah, everything worked out great. It's all unicorns and rainbows. And, you know, the reality is it was, it was super risky. It was a mega risky decision to make at the time. Um, but that's where the book, you know, really comes into, into play prohibited profits, um, be, because that's the, like Bitcoin may have been the opportunity. Well, honestly was 10 years ago. Um, but technology continues to advance, improve. And, and these opportunities, um, you know, the, the history doesn't always repeat, but it definitely does rhyme. Like these opportunities, um, present themselves in the market again and again and again. Mm. Um, and that's, that's good to know conceptually like what the the book tries to zoom out to the 30,000 foot view if you will no that's good insight because you know I've heard people talk about Bitcoin and crypto in general as you know um the ultimate lost opportunity you know there will never be anything like that again yada 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 uh, so you feel like there's not necessarily maybe um as high buzz a topic, but do you think opportunities like this will continue to pop up where you can be an early investor and do well for yourself? You know, the, the simple answer is yes. And and I think that, you know, there's two ways to look at it, right? Like you can, um, so the real advancement of Bitcoin is really the, the simple fact that it brought like triple ledger accounting to, to human finances. We never had that before. Like, you know, going back in 10,000 years of modern civilized human history, I don't know what the number 20, that maybe it's a hundred thousand. I don't know. Ancient humans. <laughs> a lot <right>? of years. <laughs> um, we, we were trading shells and yeah. um, corn and, and cows and chickens and, you know, maybe kings were marrying their daughters and and things like that. Um, you know, there was a barter system. There, you and I would shake our hands and say, "I'm going to trade you a bushel of of you know yeah. wheat for exchange of whatever services A, B, and C." And you and I would agree on that that exchange. You know, we would barter and whatever it was. Then later came you know precious metals, gold, bronze, silver. Um, eventually they pressed it into a coin with a, a Roman emperor's face on it for the simple fact of, of trust, right? Like you see that coin, you, you know, 
know its value. 2000 BC, you're holding this coin, you know who the Roman emperor is, you trust the value of this to be brass or silver or whatever. Um, There's a reason they did that. Then eventually, you know, coins are heavy, right? We moved to paper, the, the evolution of money, right? But but the real difference came, you know, currency introduced a third party, the government's uh, paper currency and central banks into the mix. Um, your, your bank account with Chase Morgan or Huntington Bank or Navy Federal, if you're a military, whoever it is you do your banking with, you know, they, there's a, there's an Excel spreadsheet of ones and zeros with, with your bank account, a dollar value sitting behind that website in that ATM somewhere. There's a centralized database that says you have this amount of money in your bank account. Um, when we go and we do our taxes at H&R Block or whoever your local tax guy is, maybe, maybe you call mom and she does your tax. I don't know. <laughs> um, there's a third party that enters into that scenario between you and the IRS. And this is what we call second level accounting, right? You, you now have a mediator that between you and I agrees whatever that agreement was, right? They, they mediate the agreement, whether it's your dollars in a bank account a contract or you know whatever whatever that situation may be maybe it's your taxes um there's there's a that second level accounting triple third level accounting now is you know so so the problem with with having all your money in chase is well multiple levels of problem your 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 passwords can get hacked um somebody within chase can hack your database somebody with that ability to affect the database can be a psychopath and manipulate your account record to be zero and move all yours your money over to their account and wipe you out um you know that that's a that's a problem with a central centralized focal point of failure basically Um, how many times in the last, I don't know, 20 years have you gotten and, and the, the good advice, um, podcast audience listeners here gotten an email that says, we're very sorry. We regret to inform you, but our database has been hacked by hackers and your personal social security number and address and credit card information has all been <laughs> compromised. Sorry, bro. I, 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 I have to assume that yourself. I am just screwed at this point with the number of emails. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a monthly gig, right? I mean, and if it's not, I, if it's not your account, it's like mainstream news of like, here's another big corporation that yeah, leaked a bunch of stuff. Million, a user account. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't even know if I can count that high at this point. That, that number is easily a hundred, a hundred plus for me. And, and the worst part of it is, you know, I'm, I actually, I am a veteran, um, and I remember separating from the military somewhere, you know, after September 11th in 2001. And it was like that year or the year, maybe three years later, I got an email from the U.S. government that said they had been hacked. Even the U.S. government couldn't protect my social security number 20 years ago. Yeah, we're all pretty much effed at this yeah. point. <laughs> you know, so so I, bring, I bring it up for the simple fact that any central, whether it's your the government, meaning the U.S. government or the Russian government or the Ukrainian government or whatever 220 government bodies on planet Earth, um, it's a centralized government. It's a focal point of failure. They can get hacked. 
Your bank account can get hacked. Your Coinbase account can get hacked. Um, you know, there's there's problems with a centralized database from that standpoint. Um, triple ledger accounting has solved that problem. We now have a, removed the one focal point of failure. And rather than having Chase Point Bank be the focal point of failure, we've taken that ledger and we've spread it out amongst, you know, for just round numbers, a million other computers on the Bitcoin and blockchain network. That right there is, is the true advancement that has happened with blockchain. Like that's really the, the true human impact on a, on a 10,000 year, 100,000 year, whatever modern history number is. I, I honestly don't know that number. It's, it's big, <laughs> like five or six digits. Yeah. Um, but that's the real impact that has happened with Bitcoin 10, 12 years ago. And that ledger is totally transparent. I mean, you can see all the it, transactions on it. And, Bitcoin right. is a public ledger. There are private ledgers. Bitcoin is public. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for, but, but going from a, a, a second level ledger accounting to a triple ledger level accounting is really the huge impact. So, you know, to your point earlier, yes, you missed that boat. <laughs> you know, like Bitcoin yeah. was came out at six pennies. We're somewhere around forty five thousand thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, depending on when you watch this podcast, maybe higher, lower, whatever. But yeah, yeah, you know, there, well, there's a we've we've gone at millions of percentage points yeah. of Bitcoin. So you'll you'll get a kick. Yes, out of this. you missed that boat. Yes, from a technological standpoint, Bitcoin is like a boomer crypto, right? Like it's ancient at this point. It's old. There's better technologies. Bitcoin takes 10 minutes for a, a blockchain, if you will, to close. Um, newer technology operates on like nanoseconds, okay? Fractions of a second. The new technologies are closed. You can't pot, you know, your odds of hacking a blockchain in nanoseconds are few and far between. Mm. Um, doesn't well, mean it can't be done, but the technology improves. It, it, it constantly adapts and improves. Like, you know, so so when we come at it from an investor standpoint, um, we're looking for, for huge market disruptors. We're looking for market moves. We're looking for, um, you know, positive indicators in the market that are going to make me win as an investor. Like if I'm going to take capital and risk it in the markets, whether it's Microsoft or Tesla or Bitcoin or, oh yeah, by the way, wink, wink, check out Sora, XOR, if you're a crypto guy, the decentralized future of banks is um, is kind of a sexy project. I think we'll, we'll probably turn around 500% in the next 24 months or so. Um, maybe possibly a thousand percent or more in 36 months, you know, one, one worth checking out. So in terms of disruptors and future market movers that are solving problems that Bitcoin can't possibly solve and will not solve at this point, like we, you know, Bitcoin works, it's doing its job. If you want to buy a Lamborghini, if you want to buy a house for half a million dollars, anybody's glad to wait 10 minutes for that transaction to clear. But 
Um, but technology keeps moving, you know, so mm -hmm. I don't invest in Bitcoin 2.0 from that perspective. I could give a, a rat's tail about Bitcoin 2.0. It needs to be solving a problem. It needs to be like Ethereum with smart contracts. Yeah. Um, it needs it needs to bring something new to the table that's going to disrupt a current market and, you know, give me the potential to win as an investor with ROI. Right. I mean, for me, that's a capital investment. Mm. So. Those are the two kind of perspectives I would look at it from is, is my thought process. I don't think either one is right or wrong. I think both are right. You know, it's like a yin and yang situations. So. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I, and I, I, I probably came off a little too strong in the intro in the sense of, because people listen to the podcast who they're, they're entrepreneurs, you know, they work their nine to five gig and they kind of, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, that's, they, that's a hopeful <laughs> mindset. Are they doing the work? Are you doing the work? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and so it's like the it's the gig that they think about. Maybe they do a little bit of work on the side, but it's not really going anywhere. And at the end of the day, they like the security of that paycheck every two weeks. Um, which for our listeners, if that's you, I don't fault you for that at all whatsoever. Because I, uh, being an I entrepreneur, I'll just say being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. I mean, it it is painful. Fair, fair point. That, that's not, true. That's absolute fact. You know, especially when you have a family to not know. Okay, when when is that next paycheck coming in? Like, when some, is that? Some, there's that, yeah. that's the roller coaster ride, right? Everybody's not built for that ride. Yeah. Well, tell me what? Why did you write this book, uh, Prohibited Profits? Um. Yeah. You know, a couple reasons. Um. For 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 one impact, um, you know the the idea that hopefully potentially I'd love to sell thousands of books. Haven't done it yet. I'm still trying to figure this out. It's my first book, but um, the ability to reach a new audience and impact them and equip them with tools to help basically do what you know what I've done and and escape that corporate life. If that even if that's not something you want to do. Most people, I think, are becoming more um, financially adept, aware, in tune, um, knowledgeable, if you will, um, to you know, to having more than one stream of income. Even if you want to keep the corporate gig, and and that's you, and and you want to you know go from janitor to executive to direct, whatever that is, I I won't fault you for that. Um, if that's you it doesn't hurt to have a second stream of income through investments. Right. Um, and that's not something that's necessarily going to take you 40 to 60 hours of your time a week. You can do that in far less time per week and have a winning investment strategy and one that will eventually compound and exceed your corporate income. You know, at least that's where I'd like to get you to. So, um, well, going, you know, the book looks great. I mean, I'm, I was reading the, um, uh, description of it on Amazon. And I thought, man, this is really intriguing. And this is a conversation that I think it's becoming more mainstream in terms of people being aware of um, the opportunity to earn money in a way they haven't thought of before. Like I think, and I say mainstream yeah. because like, for example, the whole GameStop uh, situation that happened this last year and people started to realize like, oh, there is like, I can get involved in investing and maybe turn a Absolutely. profit on it or... Um, but it's, I think it's becoming more and more eye-opening people realizing there, I do have an opportunity to earn outside of whatever my day job normal gig is. Well, you know what, if, if, uh, if you didn't learn, you know, a, a key takeaway in the last two years that there, there just no, are no guarantees in life, whether that's business, your work, your W2, um, 
the government silently stealing 40% of all your money in the last two years through inflation and just printing more money. You just came in and pulled the rug right out from under your savings, by the way. Uh, but see, when you, and, when you talk uh, about that, let me, let me ask you something, because let me, let me say a couple of things. First of all, you're right. You're right. I mean, your your buying power today is so drastically lower than it was a couple of years ago, and, it, and it's profound right now. I mean, every everybody's feeling that, right? I mean, it, 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 the the price of gas has almost doubled, or it's like 70 percent. Everybody's feeling the pinch everywhere at, on every level. Well, my second question with that is, or second thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, you're you're obviously a money guy. You understand money. You understand earning money. When you get to these conversations, like, do you ever have people who are maybe wary is maybe not the right word, but um, I guess more traditional people where, you know, you mentioned crypto and they're like, oh, you're one of those guys, or you start talking about inflation and they associate you in like some weird, I mean, I don't even know really what my question is other than it feels like there's people like yourself who are making these really great points. And yet, there's still like this hesitation around, or maybe it's like a sense of like, I don't know what to do with it. So like, okay, yeah, inflation, 40%. Okay. Yeah. Well, what do I, where do I, I don't know where to go from that other than just, okay, thanks for another paycheck, I guess. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, there's a litany of things going on there, right? I mean, everybody's got different situations and um, you you can play that one out. I mean, the the truth is, if you want to get ahead, you need to invest. Um, poor, poor people spend all their money. Um, the average person saves their money or they invest it in low performing asset, you know, 10% in the stock market, 20% is a banner year in the stock market. Typically, typically, um, it would be a great year. You know, you'd, you'd be cashing out and you'd be happy. Most people would be happy with 20%. Um, technology investing brings opportunities for triple and quadruple digit returns. It operates on a different kind of pattern and it's not, you know, it's not like a a billion dollar company like target who's well-established in the stock market and, you know, goes up a couple of like move on target is huge in any given day. 20% in Bitcoin is doesn't even gain or anyone's attention at this point. I don't even get excited yeah. unless it goes up 200% or more, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's just a different realm in the technology. But we, but, uh, you know, with, again, with the book, the patterns, we've seen this before again and again, we've seen this in the dot-com booms. Um, you know, the, the online, we're seeing this with NFT, you could uh, argue we happen with Bitcoin and the digital economy of money, the online money. Um, the metaverse is doing similar things like that. Like the, these economies typically will, they will pop off big, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, um, Tesla was another big one. We, I got into, you know, again, technology, the, the electrical market when it was around $20, a stock with Tesla, 20 bucks. Jeez. Um, but, but these patterns go big. They tend to go really big. They go high. And then the people who got in early are seeing wicked profits. Now they're looking to take profits and cash and, and the market corrects and it tends to correct big, like 
75% big, 60 to 85% big. And, and if, and visually, if you will play along with me, then, then, then you'll get like an accumulation phase at the bottom where it'll start to even out that, that drop. And then it'll start to swing back up the other way when you actually have a disruptive product that solves a problem in the market, like Bitcoin and, and whether you're looking at a situation like, you know, this, um, global situation war with Russia and Ukraine, or you're looking at a first world government like the Canadian government who tried to literally block and ban GoFundMe from protesters in a first world country. Like some people think some of these problems are only being solved for remote Indian villages or African or, you know, remote countries who don't have smartphones, right? Like this is somehow solving a banking problem for people who don't have a bank a mile down the street, right? Yeah. Um, well, no, newsflash, it's solving real world problems here and now today. Right. Um, your government is not honest. I, you know, I, I don't know if you haven't figured it out at this <laughs> point, but it's run by humans who are greedy in nature. And, yeah. and again, you have that centralized focal point of failure. And, you know, well, here we look, are again. These, these lessons yeah. and patterns repeat themselves. Gold has been outlawed. Um, uh, alcohol was outlawed. Marijuana was outlawed. Um, cryptocurrency has been outlawed in various countries. We're looking at psilocybin now, magic mushrooms. Like these patterns in the market and the people who were able to get ahead of them before anyone else at the end of the day made generational wealth. Mm. You know, you look, you look at the Budweiser's who were uh, in the thirties, the, the bootlegging and the bathtub gin. And, you know, <laughs> they didn't always play. They played in the shadows before the government came out and reversed that decision and taxed it. Right. Being in the right place at the right time has yeah. now has a cores in a Budweiser 90 years later, whatever it's been. Right. Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, think about things on that scale. Um, Warren Buffett is an outstanding example for a 20% ROI mindset in the stock market, the 401ks, your IRAs, like traditionally most of those um, uh, financial planners will tell you 20 to 30% is great. Like, you know, put it in the 401k, put it in the IRA. Don't do Bitcoin because that's super risky. Um, but if you play out 20 to 30% over the course of a lifetime, the compounding effect of that can be profound. And I use Warren Buffett as an example. Here's a young man who started investing at like 15 years old. Um, and he started investing in like, like laundromats, coin operated businesses, cash flow producing businesses that compounded and made money for him. By the time he was in his 30s, he was already a millionaire from a 15-year-old kid. By the time he was in his 60s, he hit billions. Right. Now he's in his late 90s. He's lived a ridiculously long life, and he's got hundreds of billions. Oh, but compounding works on that scale, sure. that level. So, But Warren Buffett averaged 22% his entire life. Like, you know, some years are better than others, 22% over his life. Now, look at an opportunity like Bitcoin where you can compound at an average with an asset of around 200% per year. Now you're compounding 10 times faster than Warren Buffett was. Big Holy implication, cow. yeah. 
That's um, there's no guarantees. It is, yeah. it is risky. Sure. It, you know, don't, if you need to pay the mortgage with your investment dollars, you're, you're in the, you're, you don't belong here. This is not the game for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you need to be a responsible investor homeless. Yeah. and all those, but I got my Bitcoin. <laughs> um, yeah. but you, you, you know, yeah. Bitcoin has gone up millions of percent. So it, well, it, if you can find the right opportunity, you sure. can take a small speculation position of, maybe a couple hundred bucks, maybe it's a couple thousand bucks, maybe it's 10 grand and turn it into a much bigger number. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Seth, this has been a great conversation and um, I'll leave you with a really quick story before we wrap up. Uh, In 2011, I owned 11 Bitcoin and I sold it all for about a hundred bucks. So (laughs) it's one of those, one of those whoops. (laughs) <laughs> 100 bitcoins that's a that's a good start that's um you know but there's a lesson to be learned there you know you, you can oh man and you can hem and haul and beat yourself up emotionally i made a poor choice right obviously 45 grand that one of the worst trades in history by the way um but there's a lesson to be learned there you know you had it you did learn how it and you got in and you you probably still did make money right even on 2011 prices yeah but, uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm I think I bought like I mean, triple digit returns, right? Yeah, I mean, I bought it for like cents originally yeah. or something. I mean, um, um, so that hey, you make triple digit returns hey, in the stock market, you that on run, the, brother. It's going on the LinkedIn profile. Um, so so that, that's a win in my book. I, you know, yeah. that's that's an absolute win. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> well, you're you real know, kind. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time the takeaway is when you have a real big win like that keep 10 percent yeah of yeah just like a in case profits. it keeps going yeah I, I had a huge miss with terra luna we actually we made about 1800 percent on terra luna and i closed out my position and man i'm, I'm 18x i'm we i actually did this with my investors my investors made 18x um and we closed out, said, let's protect capital. We'll do Warren Buffett's first rule, always protect your capital. Rule number two, see rule number one. Don't forget rule number one. Anyway, this son of a gun kept on 13,000%. And um, I had a hard lesson there. But the lesson, the one I'm hearing from you, the one I'm going to reinforce for the Good Advice podcast, if you made it the last 40 minutes, don't close out your winners. Let your winners run because they can have the potential to really run. So mm. if you do make a good choice, take keep 5%, keep 10% of it in there. And if it does run, great. If it goes to zero, who cares? You got the other 90% out. You're, you're on a triple digit win. Life is good, right? Yep. So take that lesson away from both of us. Very it's- grateful to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to sharing this with my audience as well. Yeah. And I should have mentioned people can follow up with you at your website, sethminiscalco.com. Um, I also mentioned it's going to, again, it's going to be in the episode description below cryptowealthcoach.co. And again, the link to the Amazon page for prohibited profits, unlock the secrets of wealth hidden from the masses. Seth, you've been an amazing guest. I so appreciate the time today. Thank you, sir. Have an outstanding one. Good advice. Take action. Jump. You got to move. Don't overthink it. You got to take a step forward. Well, you heard the man. So what are you going to be doing with your investments today and in the near future? Make sure you're checking out his links in the episode description below so you can get some good advice on your financial future. Also, if you've been listening to this episode and you enjoy the podcast, 
what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe button, click the follow button so we can keep bringing you good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, we do have a Patreon page. If you like the podcast, you want to support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash good advice. We so appreciate those of you who do support the podcast. And of course, we'll continue to thank you and appreciate you into the future. That is today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.